Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series and Pretty Ugly. With me, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, authoress of the Bourbon Books. And today we have guest extraordinaire David Bell, and we will be talking to him about his latest book, Kill All Your Darlings. Welcome, David. Thank you. Thank you both for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm like, right when we went live, my murder scarf got all weird. Wearing murder scarves is just different. So if we fuss with them, we apologize. Well, murder scarves are just weird in general. Yes. So they're in all. They don't don't behave. They don't behave. They murder you. Yeah. They aid in that. So um, we've said murder scarf now like 9,000 times. (laughs) Uh, David, can you tell our viewers a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your most recent book? Yeah. So I live in Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is an hour north of Nashville. It's where every Corvette in America is made. Every Corvette in the world is made in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, so if you come to Bowling Green and you want to buy a Corvette, you can watch them make your Corvette on the assembly line. Just I was a hoping that was going to end with like you get one for free, like a souvenir, but well, that's they, haven't, too much. they haven't done that yet, <laughs> but um, you can watch them make your Corvette. Um, so I live in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I'm an English professor at Western Kentucky University. And Kill All Your Darlings came out over the summer in August. I'm sorry, in July. And it was my 13th book. Lucky 13. Um, so yeah, Lucky 13, which is why you're wearing the murder scarves for good luck. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, we did want to theme it up for you. And, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it's it always much. good when uh, a guest has like something in the book that we can physically wear that's not weird. <laughs> like when okay. we had Josh Mallerman on, we wore blindfolds because of Bird Box. That, that makes sense. I mean, you weird. say if it wasn't weird, when would that actually stop us? I know that's true. I mean, we did wear like oversized Jackie O glasses when we had makeup on. We'll do it. Well, my next book is about knights in medieval England, so you'll have to wear suits of armor. Oh, I totally made that up. That's not true. That, I was going to say, I have a very large costume closet, so I, I could do it. All it right. wouldn't be actual armor, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, David, you are a professor. Your book, Kill All Your Darlings, is about a professor who makes a dubious choice for his career by... I mean, this happens like in the first few pages, stealing a student's thesis and publishing it so he can get tenure. I mean, he borrowed it. He borrowed it. Because, you know, she wasn't using it. Let's just put it that way. She left it. Yeah, I mean, the book book doesn't really cover whether he would have given it back at some point. Right. Never got to that point, so. (laughs) Has this made any of your students a little bit leery of handing in papers to you now? Um, I have no idea <laughs> if my students know that the book exists. Um, do they know you write? Let's start with that. Some of them do. Some of them are just, you know, passing through the class and <laughs> anonymously. Um, and by the way, so now this semester, all my students are wearing masks, of course. So, like, I don't even know who they are. It could be different <laughs> students every day. 
<laughs> and I'm just seeing their eyes. You're the wiser. You're like, all yeah. right, you um, win for the row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great job. Um, so no, no students have commented uh, on the book yet, and they may never. And it, my policy is that if a student says anything positive about one of my books, when they're in my class, it doesn't count. Because yeah. you're just trying to get a good sense. grade. Exactly. I mean, I'm glad it wasn't my policy is they get an automatic A. <laughs> you know, I was, <laughs> so no, I'm book, A plus. <laughs> it has, I love you. I love writers. Oh my gosh. Will you be my mentor? <laughs> <laughs> a few years have to pass before they can compliment my writing and it counts for something. So I think that's actually an admirable policy. So it's not just a matter of if you tell me you love me enough, I will I will plump up your grade. And I will always call on you and I will say whatever you said is scintillating because you did that for me. And it's a right. reciprocal thing, right? Right. Yeah. That's, that's not so good. Probably shouldn't have that. But I feel like we've all had those college professors who are that guy or that girl who's like lady, who's like the, the cool professor who's like, oh, I'm an author. Yeah, kids, let's go have drinks and all that stuff. And like you do cover that kind of mushy, weird territory in your book, too. Oh, the, yeah, definitely. The, the I've cool had cool professors. I have had professors like that. Um, I tell the story um, that when I was in graduate school, I took a class, uh, a Shakespeare seminar, right? And so the professor was about 70 years old. And um, he was this really excellent professor. And he was really intimidating. And he was really tough on everybody. And everybody was afraid of him. But there was one student in the class, this woman who would argue with him and argue with the other students. And I was kind of like, wow, where did she get the balls to like argue with him? And then as the semester went along, and she was about 30, the professor was about 70. As the semester went along, I noticed that she was pregnant. And then by the end of the semester, we had all found out that the professor was the father of her baby. And so uh-huh. then I understood why she was so confident arguing with <laughs> yeah. the professor. Because, like, they were in a relationship. Wow. She was having his baby. And she, I mean, was, probably, and she was probably pretty cranky, too. I was going to say something well, that yeah, explained that by pregnancy hormones. And she's just upset at the world. So she can, I, I mean, I, I've had three. I, I can just imagine just arguing with anybody just because I could. But Yeah, well, sure. There's that, too. I was I was hoping the twist based on the ages you gave was he was her father and she's just acting out. But uh, if there were daddy issues there. No, no, it wasn't that. And <laughs> at the end of the semester, um, he announced to the class, everybody's getting an A. Like, I thought we were all going to do horribly in the class, but he was like, everybody's getting an A. And Why? so I was really relieved. And I thought like, oh, wow, I got an A. I'm so smart. And then as I was walking home, I thought, oh. It's like a hush money. We're all getting A's so that we don't complain <laughs> that, <laughs> that he impregnated one of the student. students. Yeah. I yeah, get like it now. Yeah, mistress was in the class yelling yeah. at him all the time. It all made sense then. So I really don't know anything about Shakespeare. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, so Shakespeare, tell us a little bit about him. You'd be like, um, nothing. I got nothing. Uh, Joseph Fines. He looked a lot like Joseph Fines. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I Very, like very dreamy guy, yes. <laughs> so this is your 13th book. You are a writer primarily of like thrillers and mysteries. Are they, are they all? Yeah, they've all been all my- my first two books were with a small publisher, and they were more horror, um, although one of them was, was like on the borderland between what I do now and horror. 
Um, but then the rest have all been suspense. Yeah. So have you always just been drawn to that as a genre? Like even when you were a kid, what, what got you started on this, uh, like murder road? <laughs> well, I, I've always been, even when I was a kid, I was fascinated by, um, you know, weird crime stories and, um, when I was a kid growing up in Cincinnati, there was a newscaster, a famous newscaster, but named Al Shottlecotty. And um, everybody called him Bloody Al because he would always show more graphic footage of stuff that happened. Like if, if a body was found, he would show them like, you know, dragging the body out of the woods and stuff like that. Um, but I was fascinated by that. If there was a news story about a murder or a plane crash or a car accident or whatever... I was fascinated um, and I was fascinated by weird stuff. Like I had a book. I don't remember where I got the book, but it was a, a book of Ripley's believe it or not stories. So it was like, you know, the, the man with three legs and, you know, like the world's tallest man and the world's shortest man and all this stuff. I was just fascinated by that stuff. It terrified me. It all terrified. I was going to say that, that Ripley's believe it or not book. I remember somehow having a copy of that when I was a kid and it terrified me. I just like, I would like look through a few pages and then have to like close it right away. Cause I'm like, what if I see something with like eyeballs? Yeah. And we had one and it, and it wasn't Ripley's. It was something else. And I don't know what happened to it after my mom died. So we'll have to track this book down. My sister may have it, but it's like the one that has things like the faces that appeared in the tiles for no reason, mm. things like Ooh. things like that. And it's one of those books where I, you know, I'm chicken. I can't read that kind of stuff, but then I'll be like looking at it right. and then closing yeah. it right away. Love but it. it wasn't Ripley's. I think it was Reader's Digest or something like that. Oh, uh, Reader's like, Digest. Reader's that Digest is, had like all the big. That thing will freak you out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So I, I was into stuff. Oh, and then I also, I blame this on, uh, I blame this on growing up Catholic because I grew up Catholic. And <laughs> then like when, when I was in the second grade, um, I got a book. I had one aunt who was really religious and um, she gave me this book of the saints. And, you know, in, in the Catholic church, the saints were all executed horribly yeah you know, like, i was gonna say it's like a whole grimoire of, how did they die Let's how did they die exactly and and this book was for children this was <laughs> by the way for children but you know you'd get to the end and it would say and then you know they saint bartholomew was roasted over hot coals or like you know saint so-and-so was skinned alive or whatever and I was fascinated by that. And, and no one could say, don't read that. Don't, because don't I was it. like, it's a, it's a book about saints. Like, it's, it's Jesus. It. Yes. Yes. I, so I also was raised Catholic and I remember getting one of those children's Bibles with like the, the painted portraits of mm. like all of these things. Yeah. Um, and they were like gruesome mm-hmm. paintings. And I just remember being like completely fixated on the Sodom and Gomorrah paintings and like the lepers and I, was just I know like, why you yes. like lepers. You you have a special place in your heart for lepers now, don't you, Jen? I do. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, you know my my kinks. Like, I love well, a good uh, face rotting off. Yes, you do. Well, I I had a children's Bible like that, and the thing that I remember about it, I remember there, there were kind of, maybe it was the same one because there were paintings, but I do remember as I look back all these years later. Jesus had the blondest hair. Like the Jesus yeah. in the in this Bible yeah. was blonde and blue-eyed. And even as a kid, I was like, why does Jesus look like that? Because like I understood the concept of the Middle East and what yeah. people in the Middle East looked like. 
versus I was blonde and blue eyed when I was a little kid. Like I understood that like I don't look like I'm from the Middle East. And yeah. Jesus wouldn't, you know, but anyway. Jesus wouldn't Midwest, like not that, Middle yeah. East. Midwest, yeah. which is yeah. very different yeah. than the it's Middle East. It's very different. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I always thought the same thing. And I remember asking my parents, I was just like, why does Jesus look like this? Like, <laughs> I don't, like, what is that? And then I remember asking a priest in school in our Bible study class. And he was just like, he just sent me to, directly to the office. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. Me. <laughs> like, like, I didn't even get an answer. It was like, go well, see the principal. Oh, I was raised Methodist and they did not give me any Bibles like that. Like my, none of mine really had any pictures until I was old enough to read. And yeah. I guess they just expected me to read it. So I missed out on all the fun. Guys. Oh, yeah. The gory, bloody. No, the, the, we did have, we did have some pictures around in random places that had the Jesus who would follow you with his eyes. <gasps> my grandmother but, had yeah, that. my grandmother did too but my grandfather was a pastor so it made sense oh. that it was there next to the old organ and yeah i don't i don't really know what he was looking for but he never found it yeah and i, I the church that i grew up in was a really it was built the church was built in 1903 so it was a really old church so it had a very gory crucifixion over the mm -hmm. altar and in the back of the church when you went out the back of the church there was a, a gigantic Pieta of Mary mm -hmm. holding mm -hmm. Jesus, a bloody. It was so freaky as a little kid because, like, he was. It was all like alabaster and pale. Like, it's just it was very strange to like be six years old and like here's here is a figure of a mother holding her dead giant. Anyway, it was very strange. It's a corpse. I mean, that's that, that's what that's it's what a dead body. It yeah, that we ate. Um, but that that explains everything. <laughs> yeah. That explains. I it feel all. like I it blame does. it all on that. Yes. Um, uh, I understand because I. I'm a horror writer and right. I'm like a little obsessed with like true crime and stuff like that. And yeah, I, it would be good to just be able to like directly blame it on like the weird things that we were exposed to as children. I, I think you can. I think you can. Have you ever talked to a therapist about it? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't no. that what this is, Jen? Isn't that? Yeah, you don't that's what this show is. <laughs> well, no, my theory is that people who write, horror and crime and suspense and write about murders and all that stuff. Those people are actually pretty normal because you work it out in the book. <laughs> the people who don't write the books are the crazy people, right? Who don't uh -huh. work out the dark thoughts. But if you write the book, then it's you're out. getting it out and then it's yeah. out and you've worked I gonna, through it. I was going to ask, was there a corollary to people? So I write science fiction, fantasy, and also romance. I would like to have my my psyche analyzed to see what does that say about me? Um, <laughs> you want to live in a world where there are little elven people living in trees. Right? I don't know. Wrong kind of fantasy, but yeah, it was funny because we've had conversations about what kind of fantasy and does it always imply there are fey elves or some giant hatted wizard running around and it doesn't, but you know, the, the fantasy, I don't really want to live in any world with elves unless they're making me cookies. Well, oh, cookies. Yeah, I do see. like cookies. The ones, the Keebler guys, they can stay. Otherwise, the rest of the elves. They what about go. the hot elves from Lord of the Rings? Oh, okay. Those are, those are fine because we're talking okay. like grown up looking people, not little pixie things with ears. Right, and right. Definitely that little dude on the shelf who's staring at kids. He is not allowed in my house. I do not take the elf on the shelf. No. no. Too terrifying. We, are, we will not have him in my house. That's horror right there. <laughs> it is. If he moves horror. around and looks at your kids in the middle of the night, that's not okay. Yeah. It's not. That's base, That's like a, a peeping Tom. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. Should be outlawed. Who has hijinks and gets into toothpaste and nasty things. We don't need that. 
<laughs> so David, as, as a writer of all things dark, what scares you the most? Uh, I mean, aside from like death and, yeah, and the like, ensuing existential oblivion that will yeah, occur. Yeah, besides like that? the world okay. that we live in right now. So like we can't be like, oh, you know, just like the fact that we're living in a slow apocalypse. Like that's a given. That g- it's figures. You know. A slow apocalypse. I mean, really, there's been a slow apox- apocalypse going on since like the Big Bang. I mean, it's just been inevitable that we're going to come to this point. Uh, no, you mean like phobias? Like what? Like Yeah. Or oh, like... like I am terrified of needles. I'm absolutely terrified of needles. That um, the health insurance I have with my job, they once a year they make us get a physical. I mean, imagine the nerve of the health insurance company making me get <laughs> a physical. They're forcing you to be healthy. They do. Well, they give you money. It's like an incentive. Like if you get the physical, they give you like a certain amount of money to you know to you know like stay alive or whatever. Um, <laughs> and so. Um, so that is just like I start that happens in like October, November. I start I start dreading that now. Like the calendar turns to September 1st you and gear I'm up for like, it. like 6 weeks from now I'm going to have to have blood drawn and mm. I'm terrified. So like that's Oh no. Have you ever fainted? I have. I have fainted several times uh from it. Usually the fainting happens um, when the, when the person misses the vein like that. And I have like, I love how they always, I go to these things and you, and I express my phobia. I'm like, you know, I, I'm not really crazy about this, you know, whatever. And then they look at my arm and they're like, oh yeah, your veins are no good. And it's like, gee, oh, thanks. Yeah. You don't That's need to reassure. I, like, like, this I is going to be terrible. Like I went out and picked the wrong veins. Yeah. Like, you know, like I was just like, please give me veins that are hard to find mm-hmm. and a phobia about needles. Do let, can I, let me put that combination together. <laughs> it's a um, Yeah. Act like it's my fault. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I have, but it's all, it's, it's really only happened when like, it's someone who doesn't really know what they're doing and you know, yeah. You have to call ahead. Can I get the most senior phlebotomist coming in here? Because I don't want your amateurs. I don't want your nursing students. I don't want a student. I don't want other people watching. Like, oh, it's just a whole team. I have done that before where there was a woman at the clinic who was really good. Like, she did it and she was clearly this woman had, like, done it a million times and it was like nothing to her did you get um, her name and say I, and I, I got her name and i was like okay you know i want i want whatever her name was katie i want her you know but then i think she stopped working there and then you know was it because her out yeah. it was because of me <laughs> i was calling and saying is katie there today and then yeah. they were like they thought katie. you were a stalker you know i mean they thought yeah, I was that just reminds me sometimes we say things or do things that seem innocuous like you know, walk by people's houses and then they might misinterpret what they're yeah. seeing. If you keep they walking might. your dog by somebody's house over and over again and just Especially staring in the window. If you don't live in the neighborhood, that that can yeah. be interpreted as a strange action. It can be strange if you stare at a young couple uh, yeah. enviously. Enviously. Um, just yes. like in, in, in the dark sometimes, like in the middle of the, the night. The dark sometimes. I do not do this, by the way. <laughs> I know. So for everybody well, who's I, watching this, um, this is a character. In this David's is in the book. book. Yes. Not like this is a reference. This isn't not what an accusation. After Katie left <laughs> I, the doctor's office, he's like, "Well, I, I had to stand outside her house." <laughs> I want to go on record as saying, when I go for a walk, and this is true, I desperately try to avoid talking to or seeing anybody. That's my preferred 
method of walking. So yeah. I'm really not looking for anybody. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah, I get upset when I see somebody else on the street. I'm like, oh, gosh, what, are we, what if we have to have a conversation? I feel the same way. I'm like, like, I walk in the cemetery by our house here. There's a cemetery down the street. And I walk there. And like... Ev- like a ki- like there's like one other guy who works in the se- walks in the cemetery that early and it's like okay he's allowed because he's quiet but then like someone new will show up one day and i'm like what are you doing what it's like if this is my cemetery yeah. you cannot come here and walk this is not the system and what if to. what if they show up with like a baby buggy or like walking oh, their dog? yeah don't yeah. even get me started on that we uh, I'm just we, picturing we like territorial. On, oh, go ahead, Jen. I was gonna say we walk on this like dirt road. We walk our dog on a dirt road, and nobody like lives out there. It's like one weird mansion, um, with like political flags that I don't enjoy, mm. um, and like a bunch of houses that literally live off the grid. Nothing else. So we walk the dog there. But then for the past few mornings, my husband said there's been somebody else walking out there, and I'm like, who could it possibly be? on this dirt road early in the morning i'm like it's a serial killer clearly clearly yeah i was like you probably shouldn't walk there anymore my first guess is it's it's just a specter the person's not even alive and he's just being haunted just get used to it it's probably somebody it's probably somebody who wants to marry roman probably probably looking for him out there (laughs) and and this this creeper i'm like the serial killer in our neighborhood called our dog an asshole your dog? Yeah. Wow. Did they have a dog? No. Well, what did the dog do to prompt this? Was it just like an Barked. unprovoked? No, oh, no, bark. the dog was barking at him. So yes, but the person said, "What is the asshole's name?" I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> were they trying to be clever? Or I don't think so. Maybe they were talking about Roman when they. Said that. <laughs> Could be. Maybe they were asking. Or Roman's <laughs> ears are burning. I know he's like. He so wants to pop on. He wants to pop in so bad. Everybody (laughs) who's watching this, Roman is my husband and our producer. So he's behind the scenes right now going, why are they talking talking about about me? <laughs> like, well, I was just talking. I was just gonna say when when I was hearing about these these people who are like these are my spaces, I was just thinking about like the territorial surfers who are going, This is my beach, man. Right, yeah. And like, this mm-hmm. is my graveyard, man. Same kind yeah. of thing, same vibe. It is. Well, I mean, like the nerd, you know, I go there early. Uh it's only like in early in the morning, it's me. I'm even there before the grave diggers show up, but then like, sometimes it's just me and the, and like the crew of grave diggers. Mm-hmm. And like, we're all like, we leave each other alone. I, I stay out of their way when they're cutting the grass or digging a hole in the ground. Cause you know, you, I don't, you know, like, you don't wanna, like know you I do. don't know what they're up to, what they're digging the hole. In do the any ground. of them know who you are? Do they know if there's that thriller author? He's coming. I don't, I don't think they know that they just, we just wave to each other and say, you know, professional courtesy. We just do like the guy grunt at each other. And then we just keep going because they're, they're working and I want to stay out of their way. Yeah. And you're probably working in a way. Like, do you think like when you're walking, do you get your ideas there? Staring at all the graves? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, if I'm working on something, then when I walk in the morning, I'm planning what I'm going to do that day like okay in this chapter this has to happen you know blah 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 um but then sometimes i'm walking and i think you know why am i doing anything since i'm just going to die someday those are the two <laughs> opposing thoughts that i have as i walk through this and, and see i'm just picturing you walking going i could fill so many of these and creating people just to kill them off 
Well, and it's also it's a good place to get names for characters. As oh, well. that's I was true. just, yeah, I was just thinking that. I was like, yeah. it's a really great place for to get your character names. It's like, a good place to get names. And then I go around and I also I do the math on the headstones. Mm -hmm. And and if if I see someone who's lived to be, you know, like 85 or whatever, I feel very reassured. Like maybe I'll live to be 85. And then if I see one that's clearly like, you know, somebody who died when they were like 43 and I'm like, oh shit, like that's bad. That's you know? that's bad. I know. Like, yes. Oh God, yeah, you know. don't say our age like that. <laughs> that <laughs> well, was I'm older than that. I'm just saying like, you know. <laughs> God, I, I was like, told in confidence, David. <laughs> like, Okay. How dare you? So. <laughs> We're really sensitive. I feel seen. It's all right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh yeah, that mm -hmm. we could die at any moment. This well, is our, our most of... uplifting show ever. Like, well, that guy, that serial that killer on the country road, calling your dog an asshole. I yeah. mean, clearly, I know. I'm like, yeah. you know, he could he could come to our house. I was like, Roman, you need to take a different route back. He's just like, I'm not doing lose that. him, lose him. Yeah. When we moved into this house, we put a fake head on a spike in our front yard. And I thought, like, welcome to the neighborhood. But now I'm glad we took the head down. <laughs> is this the, is this house haunted? Did I hear that at one point that the house you know, is haunted? It, it, yes, it's not really, really haunted. It's not like super active. But somebody did die on the stairs, mm. and I always have to say it like that: like somebody died on these stairs. And occasion, occasionally, the dog, the asshole will bark just randomly up or down the stairs in the dark. Now, how do you know someone died on the stairs? Was this disclosed by the real estate agent? Like, yes. They have to, don't they? Yeah. I think that's, I mean, like maybe the... it's not a law everywhere, but I thought you had to disclose if someone died on the premises. Well, I jokingly said, is this house haunted? Because it looks like a witch lives here. And they said, well, we don't know, but somebody did die on the stairs. Meaning on the, the stairs outside or stairs inside? Inside. And how did, was this a, like an old person who no. collapsed or like no. someone fell down the stairs? Somebody fell down the stairs. Mm. It was the son, the adult son of the woman who designed the house. And I was how? even going to say, if you've seen pictures of the house, it's like, the stairs look like they're a death trap. I'm just going to say it that way. They are. I'm like, I, I, I'm paranoid of stairs to begin with. So like, I like hold onto the railings and I go down really slow. And every time, every time I'm walking down the stairs, I'm like, all of my focus is just like, just get down the stairs. I feel that. On is, it stairs. is it possible that this man on the road is the man who died on the stairs? I don't want to think about that, but could be. No, but I want to think about it. Yeah. I'm trying to help you. Oh, you're trying to, I don't know if it's helping. So like that whole thing in. about the, the guy in the armor, that was all just a ruse. The next one is really the man on the stairs who calls it the is. Yeah. yeah, That's the next yeah. book. That's the, that's your, your main character. Go to the cemetery and think of a name for him. Yeah. No, anyway, that's fascinating. Okay. I, I, did this happen a long time ago or just like recent history? I think in the 80s. Oh, okay. Okay. That's. Yeah, that's so that's about right for him to come back and start haunting yeah. the house. Yeah. Yeah. 30, yeah. And like years. every once in a while, I think I hear somebody like up in there, like I have a writing tower and I'll hear somebody like walking up there and I'm like, is that the dog? No. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, but it doesn't seem like malevolent. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Don't say yes. <laughs> you both said yes. You both said yes. I'm like, this is why I'm drinking. <laughs> Well, you have Roman there to protect you if anything goes wrong. I mean, you know. Oh, please. He'd be scared of a ghost. 
I, I think I'd have to shine down the cool enough to know who would be protecting who in that case. Well, that's all right. I know, I'd be like, you. come here, ghosts. I shouldn't say that. Now I'm not going <laughs> to do it. Don't bring them to you. I don't want to wake them up. They're probably sleeping. Yes. Okay. Well, no, I think I think that's interesting. That's an interesting story. Um. So, David, when you write, I always feel like thriller writers have to really know what's going on. Like, do you plan it out? Do you know the end? Like, do you know who did it? It's what keeps me from writing thrillers because I'm such a pantser that I'm like, uh, I'll never uh-huh. be able to do it because I don't know what's happening in my own books. <laughs> I mean, I'm I make an outline. Uh, and I make a detailed outline, but I don't think you have to. I think there are plenty of people who don't. Uh, it's just, you know, whatever works for you. Um, yeah, sometimes thrillers can be a little more intricate in that way and have a lot of moving parts. But um, but that's just kind of the way I prefer to write is to have the outline. It's it's like a crutch for me, really, is just to know that this – I don't even go back and look at it that much, but – but it's just reassuring to know that it's there. And a lot of times it changes. You know, I think I know who who did it by the end. Um, but then as a story goes along, it changes. And I decide, oh, it makes more sense for this person to have done it. So, I mean, I, I don't think you have to. I, I don't think, I think it's, you know, everybody has to figure out the thing that works best for them. I always feel like it would be reassuring to have an outline, <laughs> to like know what was going to happen. <laughs> And I, and I always kick myself every time I'm halfway through the writing process. And I'm like, you know, I should have planned this better. It'd probably be less heartache. But maybe, you know, maybe then there's some essence in your writing that comes to life because you didn't do that because it's it's new. You See, are the cool professor. Able, what? I said you I'm are just, the cool I'm here professor. to reassure. I'm here to reassure. No, and, and, I, and I personally, I'm a pantser and I wish I weren't because I would love to be able to hash out a whole story in bullet point form and then fill it out knowing where I was going rather than I'm almost at 80,000 words and I'm going, I still don't know how this is going to end. It's like, I'm staring at the end of a balance beam going, I need to jump off eventually, but I don't want to because I don't know where yeah. I'm related. And you think at this yeah. point I would know, but I don't. Yeah. But I always am. And, and usually eventually I figured it out, but so far not yet. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's also, it's, you know, it's a temperament thing. People, people who want to do that or not, it's a time, it's a practical thing. If someone is on a tighter deadline or you're doing a book a year, you're doing a whatever, you, you might not have the time to do it. It might depend on who your editor is. The editor may want to see more information about where the story is going before they let you embark uh, on some perilous journey. I mean, there are a lot of factors that go into Perilous journey. Perilous yes, journey. Yeah. I've, I've joked. I've I've had to provide outlines before to editors, and I still write the story first, and then give them the outline. Yeah, and people. Do, and I have no idea way to do it. And I've known people. I I know a writer. I won't say his name, but he's been a New York Times bestseller. Um, and he Can you says say some his name like something that rhymes with his name. <laughs> <laughs> um, he died on a staircase, so it, it doesn't matter anymore. Um. But he, he just flat out would lie. He would just like make up an outline and just be like, okay, here's the outline. Here's what I'm going to write. And they'd be like, oh, good, good. And then he'd just like go do something else. And then no one ever said, hey, this outline bears no resemblance to I know, like book. this is not the book we thought it was going to be. I, I think that the editors who want the outline are just covering their butts. They, they want to be able to – so for if you're the writer and you flake out and you don't turn the book in on time, then – 
the editor wants to be able to say to their boss, if they mm-hmm. have one, well, you know, she made an, I, I mean, it's not my fault. It's there. I, you know, I think it's just like that. So I think it's just to cover your butt thing, right? Everybody's covering their butt up the line. The writer makes the outline to cover their butt. The editor asks for it to cover their butt. It's just you know, so much toilet paper. It's just so much it butt. Is. That's all it is. <laughs> just all toilet paper and butt talk. Yes, ninety percent of life is covering your butt. Let's face it. So, yeah. Well, you know that's why we're pantsers to cover our butts. Yeah. You see, that's uh, why. That's really uh, why it's called that. Sorry. Yeah. No, I like a good pun. You know that. Yes. Like, oh, if there could have just been some alliteration in there, <laughs> could have it's checked okay. off all my boxes. Right. So, what are you working on now? Can you can you talk about it? There are no yeah. nights involved. There are no nights involved. No. I'm sorry, I totally made that up. I wish I could. Um, he's a panzer too. He just yeah. made up. <laughs> I just made up the nights. Um, no, next year. So uh, I'll have my book. My adult book for Berkeley will be out next summer, and it's called The Finalists, and it is a locked room story that takes place Ooh. on the campus of a small private college, and there is a wealthy donor to the college. And every year, the wealthy donor gives this lucrative scholarship to a rising senior in order to get the scholarship. Five, six students have to consent to be locked in a house on the edge of campus and yes. take an exam. And spoiler alert, the this year, some people die when they get locked in the house. Yes. Yes. And, and they all die on the staircase. Stop this. With Which a dog amazing, there's barking not even a staircase. at them. With a dog barking. <laughs> there is a staircase in the book. There's no dog. Oh, um, no, no asshole dog. Can I, so that can will I just, be out, that will be out next say, summer. One of my favorite things, and I shouldn't say this is my favorite because it sounds like, uh, really, that's your favorite? You named the dog Grendel. I loved that. Well, I loved that so much. I mean, that's not a It's like first page. Yeah. The dog's name is Grendel, and I just adored that. And I guess when you've got to teach a, an English prof as a as a character, you can have their dog named Grendel, but I just, I love that. Will there, will there be ma- any more sweet name pets? I just, wanted, I just wanted to prove that I had read Beowulf. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Okay. I thought you had read John Gardner's version. Or the Cliff's Notes. You know, I haven't read John Gardner's version. See, that's, that's actually the one that I read that I'm going, yeah, this is awesome. I, I can't imagine anybody naming Grendel just from Beowulf. I figure it had to be the John Gardner oh. version. I'll have to read the John Gardner. Much, much more sympathetic, especially for that dog. There are no pets in the finalists because they're locked. Because in they're the locked. Out. There are mice in the basement. There are mice in the house because it's like an the old Cinderella house. mice. Cinderella. No, they no, just okay. they just scurry around and poop places. That's all they do. They don't. They're not. Nobody they don't brought their emotional. Support. They're very realistic yeah. mice. They're not. Yeah, they're not emotional support mice or anything like that. Okay. Well, That's okay. And then next, then next fall, meaning the fall of 2022. Uh, I have a young adult suspense novel coming out with source books called It's Always the Boyfriend, which is about a high school senior who uh, wakes up the day after homecoming dance and he and his girlfriend have been in a car accident and he doesn't remember the accident and his girlfriend has disappeared. So the entire town thinks he has murdered his girlfriend and he has to prove his innocence. Uh. I'm yes. getting strong Christopher Pike vibes off that. I love it. Well, the only difference is he has sold nine billion more books than I have. <laughs> Other than that, it's That's exactly the same. same. That's quibbling. twins. It's fine. Yes, twins. just very close. Very close. Very close. You're there. Just you know, yes. um, you know, 
eight billion more books, eight point. I yes, don't, really. I don't, I don't math. I'm like, I don't even know. I can't math either. I can't help on that. Like eight, some billion more books. Well, I eight, was eight to the then, 19th power. So you're, you're doing these two tracks with the adult books and the YA books. And we get a lot of talk within writers and people looking to publish that they're scared of, oh, if I publish YA, am I going to be railroaded and not able to cross that divide and be taken seriously as an adult author? How many of your books are they, are they generally going one and then the other and going back and forth or is it mostly adult? And then now you're doing some YA. How did that work out for you? I've never done YA before, so they've all oh. been adult. This is the okay. first one. I mean, I've had in my adult books, I've had point of view characters who were teenagers in a few of them, um, but they were not the main character. Um, so this is the first time. So I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea how it will go. Um, but I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. Well, and I don't have to say by, by 13 books. And by the time that comes out, 14 books under your belt, you can get away with a lot. So I feel like people are more likely to go. Yes. I'm glad you think that I I can get away with nothing. There's nothing I can get away with. I was going to say, we need the hope. We need (laughs) to know that like at 14, we can, you can never get away with, you cannot get away with anything. Unless unless your name is Stephen King, then you can get away with stuff. Yeah. I guess even him, I don't know. But uh, well, I read some of his more recent short stories. He's getting away with a lot. Okay, well, that'll take oh, it. ooh, yeah. ooh, shade. Not, yeah, not shade. Just wow. maybe a concept that anybody else pitching the concept, they'd go, really? Yeah, and they just go, okay, that. Uncle Stephen, and let no. him write. And I I listened to the audiobook, and it was definitely just like listening to my sweet Uncle Stephen tell me kind of an odd story. It was fine. Okay. But the, the concept, anybody else pitching that and something like Pit Mad, which is uh, tomorrow, by the way, anyone right oh, no, Pit thank Mad you. tomorrow? Um, yeah, <laughs> anybody else would look at that concept and go, yeah, I'm going to pass on that one. What else What else do you have? Let's let's see what else is in that portfolio yeah, of amazing ideas. That happens. The hardest thing is to get in, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting in is the hardest thing, I think. It really and, is. And yeah, and I know the reason I was asked about the YA and versus adult is that there is the concern that whatever whatever you come in under, that's where you're going to be stuck and that you can't cross over then. So if you come in as a YA, you're not going to be allowed to write adult. So I know some folks were like, I tried to get my YA. It didn't happen. So now I'm writing adult and I'm not going to pursue that anymore because I don't want to I don't want to keep going that way and I can't keep swerving lanes left and right. I mean, I know some people do it by pen names. Are you going to publish the YA as David Bell or did you come up with a really cool, fancy new pen name? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's under David Bell. And I mean, it's, it's suspense. So it's just YA suspense. So it's yeah. in the state, you know, it kind of makes sense. It's just, yeah. that's an easy, I think that's an easier uh, transition to make because it's, you know, it's the same kind of thing. And I'm hoping, I have no idea what will happen, but I'm hoping that at least some of the people who read the adult books will want to read the young adult books and people who read the young adult book will then say, let's look at the adult books, but who knows? And you can know. also get like, kind of like weirdly like families involved. Like, cause you can have people who are fans of your adult books and be like, oh, he published something that would be age appropriate for my kids. Right. Sure. I, yeah, can, I like know, that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, I think the days are gone where they say adults can't read YA because there are a ton of adults who read YA, and I feel like the real deciding factor has something to do with how graphic you can be with certain things, and then yeah. also the age of the protagonist. But if you ask ten different people what defines YA, you will get ten different answers. So yeah. I'm assuming your editor worked with you on okay, here's how graphic we can get, or here's where we're gonna maybe tone down some of the profanity, perhaps. But I don't know, maybe they were getting free run. 
Well, it, there wasn't much. There wasn't much that was graphic in it, honestly. I mean, the, the crime happens off the page. And um, the, I mean, you know, the kids curse a little. They smoke a little weed. You know, who doesn't? I mean, uh, yeah. oh, and, yeah. um, clutch and, my uh, pearls. And, and you know, the, the, the kids are having the, the kids are having sex, but they're having they're sex. having sex. Yeah, 17-year-olds, imagine 17-year-olds wanting to have sex. That is weird. How <laughs> radical. Yes. So, so no, it really it, it didn't really need to be toned down. The key thing was just kind of getting the young adult voice right, you know, because right. it couldn't sound like an adult. It had to sound, a, you know, somewhat like a 17-year-old. You know, so did you do a lot of research? Were you just like on TikTok for <laughs> like six months and being like, I just really got to grasp what's going on in their heads? Yeah, I just went down to the high school and started hanging out and, you know, like that, which was strange too. No, I didn't. I, I, yeah, that would get you arrested. I was going to suggest you're just like binge watching all the CW shows, which would not help either yeah. because that's some really unrealistic dialogue there with uh, like all your characters sound like Riverdale. That would not help either. <laughs> no, really. I just, I, um, I talk to, you know, my, I, I force my students, I say like, if you're going to sit in this classroom, you have to be my research subject. So. <laughs> I would ask them, you know, and, and I just, I hear the, I hear things that they say that they're like certain slangy things or terms that they say over and over again. And I realize, okay, that if I'm hearing it multiple times and that must be what kids are saying. Uh, so I, you know, I just go with that. Every other page has geets and YOLO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what this means. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what any of those things mean. I'm I always have to look them it. up. I'm just like, well, okay. Yeah. Well, and I feel like your most recent book, since since we got to read Kill All Your Darlings, you did have some younger characters and you had yeah. the ability to show age appropriate words and word choices and your younger characters didn't sound like your older characters. So I feel like you're I feel like you're there. I hope so. I mean, I'm surrounded by college students all the time, so I know what they sound like and I know what their concerns are to whatever extent. So yeah, so that helps. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite part of that sentence was to whatever extent. Well, I, you know, I, I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I kind of have a rule of like, they can talk to me, but don't talk to me too much during the semester. Like, So you're not going like to your rule your in life. I tell them I'm not a licensed therapist. Like, I can't really help you with that much stuff, you know. And, and especially during COVID, I'm like, you know, you better keep your distance from me yeah. now. Right. So but you weren't, you weren't throwing the, the fun parties. You weren't that kind of professor who has oh, God, no. the students over no, to drink no. and smoke pot in the back. <laughs> no, no. I have worked with people who do that. I know people who do that, but that do is those not... professors have ponytails? Cause in my brain, they always have ponytails. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of them might. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I am happily married and I would like to stay that way. And, um, and your wife I, probably wouldn't love having all the college kids in your home. Probably not. And I just think it's flat out weird if, it, if I had to find my friends in the classroom, like I should have age appropriate friends. Yes, you should. I, I feel should. like I should be getting along with people, my age people, other people in their late sixties, like me, instead of 20 year olds, you know, I just feel like that's the right thing to do. So yeah, it's the safe yeah. choice to make. I it's think. also it's like safe and mature. And it means mature. you're like maybe a functional adult that you have some friends who are your own age. Yes. I just know I, I read sections of your book and went, none of my professors ever invited me over to drink and get high. 
Well, actually, really? none of them. No. Oh. I was a poli sci major. None of mine came anywhere near oh. any of us. Half of us were going to law school. So we know they were like, we don't want to get sued if we do anything wrong. There was no fraternization. No, nothing. Yeah. No. I went to school for theater. I know that about what happened yours. <laughs> yeah. Now, when, I, when I was an undergraduate, I did not. Now, maybe maybe other students were getting invited over and they just didn't invite me. I don't know. But but <laughs> where I went to school, um, the most of the professors were older. Like a lot of them are dead now because they were so old. The, 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 that, sorry. The English. It's okay. Well, they can't hear you. Um, That's true. No, but like the English department, when I went to school, I mean, it was really just like a lot of old white guys and and a lot of them are dead. They're all retired. It's just there wasn't anybody doing anything like hip and fun like that. That, Or they were doing it and not inviting me. I don't know which it was. (laughs) We'll just say that they weren't doing it. And not that like, makes me feel better to think yeah, that they and not were, that like you yeah. were not cool enough to go to the professor's party, the yeah. not cool professor's party, because that right. would just be the saddest thing. And I don't think that would be the case. Right. Well, you cool. David, you're cool. You didn't know me when I was 20. Well, I mean, nobody on. was cool when we were 20. Well, that's true. That's the true. Gosh. That's the truest statement. Yeah, that is a fact. That's a science fact. That we're is not, a fact. Yes. We're not cool. For most of our life, and then by the time we get cool, we're old. It's too late. It's just and like, what does all this do? Yeah, like, oh, I'm cool me. now, but oh, also, like, if I sleep wrong, I can't walk for a week. Right, oh, true. Right. I only have the second part, not the cool part, but the sleeping wrong. <laughs> yeah, I got that down. Yeah, I- I'm a pro at that. Um, David, thank you. We are out of time. You have been oh, a-, a delight. Yeah. Thank you for talking about like all the. Your your phobias and your your creepy books when you were a kid. I loved that. Anytime I'm an expert on my phobias and things <laughs> that terrify me, uh, and there are lots of them. There are lots of things that creep me out and terrify me. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't because I'm like I'm such a like. Oh yes, I want to hear more about that next time. Next time we'll next talk time. about like your second biggest fear we'll find um, katie and get her to come and help katie katie will come in do that she's gone i don't know where she went we'll track yeah. her down scared her away. we have ways <laughs> she died on the stairs <laughs> no, no! Uh, on that note thank you everybody for watching today i want to thank roman seriton our producer pam stack our executive producer this is a copywritten podcast with the global authors on the air network Stay tuned next week for Vox Vomitus when we have Joanna Fitzpatrick talking about her novel, The Artist Colony. Until then, bye-bye. Bye.